All right, all, it's, it's really good to be with you. And like with an intro, I never know quite what I'm going to say until I'm like there. And so I turned 40 this year. And so it like, with just like the grind, uh, my place of work has been very busy with COVID stuff. And so I've really been in the fray like for the last year. And so I haven't really paid attention to it. But to look back at um, people the same age I was when I really committed myself to the Lord and began pursuing him, it's really cool to see you all here and to think of what's ahead of you and where the Lord will take you and uh, just give, give him all of yourself. And when you turn 40, if you make it to 40, you won't be disappointed. You know, it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful life. So, um, so I was asked to give this talk, Fear and Anger, and I, I do know it. I, I deal with it every day at work. Um, I also experience it on the anger side, which I'll talk about a little bit. Um, and, and so I was like, yeah, I can, I can do this. And so it's, it's like the two talks into one. And I, I was trying to squish them all into like this one talk. And it was like me trying to fit into some of my dress pants, like after a year of wearing scrubs and like not, not really leaving the house. So where I gave up and just had to buy some new pants this year, um, we, we had to cut some stuff out. So we're going to we're going to cover more of fear, of kind of different flavors of it. And then when we get to the anger piece, we're going to talk more of how to battle against anger and just kind of a light brushing of the different types. So again, looking at where I was when I was you know, 22 um, versus now is I was working as a youth minister. And I had a core team. And I lived in a household where a lot of you are living in households. And uh, all my roommates, I was in charge of the house. Um, they were my core team, and I did not have the formation that you're getting now. I did not have an emotions course. It was a disaster. I think it was like a success that I didn't stab anybody, but, um, but know that this is really, really good stuff. And no matter when you review, you know, as, as Mike said, like to have mastered this takes a lifetime. So, um, so I'm glad you get to do, do this. Um, all right, so this course, the emotions course, it's distinctly different from, uh, we, we could get on Amazon right now and find thousands of books to help us with our emotions. Self-help stuff, right? This is not a self-help course. This is um, opening ourselves to the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to transform our lives, um, to be renewed in the spirit of our minds, you know, according to Ephesians. And what the church calls us to do is it calls us to master our passions, our emotions, and what's really cool about them is, by themselves, they're very neutral. So the passions in and of themselves, there's no virtue there, and there's no sin there. It depends on what we do with it. So fear and anger will come, but really it's all about what we do with it. So um, as we go through this, like our goals is we're going to uh, describe various forms of fear and anger, what are some of the problems in this area, and how do we overcome bondage in this area? And I, I was excited to speak on this topic because one of my favorite fancy words is zeitgeist, um, like the spirit of the age, um, because it sounds both spooky and silly at the same time. And, and so uh, if I were to, to describe the spirit of the age right now, it, it is a fearful, angry time in our world. And so this is really valuable that we're, that we're going through this because... Again, if it's not something in particular that we struggle with, which I would be, I would be surprised, um, someone around us and very close to us, without a doubt, is. So, so this is 
gosh, we're going to try to go quickly through some of this stuff. Um, as a, you know, with my work, I get to um, go on continuing education seminars every so often. You always try to pick someplace cool to go. So a couple years ago, uh, Clayton Frederick, another um, psych NP and myself, we got to go to San Diego um, for this seminar. And my, my wife called it our brocation. And so, so we went, we did our seminars, but we saw a lot of San Diego in like, you know, 48 hours. So we went from this to that to that. Um, and that's what we're gonna try to do is we're gonna zip through it. So we didn't spend a lot of time in San Diego um, at the, uh, you know, at, at the aircraft carrier. And we walked very quickly when we accidentally found ourselves on a nude beach. Um, it was a long two miles. And, um, but we, we found some areas like the cove with the sea lions. We like hung out and we, we stayed there, yeah. Um, so, so we will have some spots that we're gonna pause and we're gonna like spend some time this evening. So, um, okay, so fear, what, what is it? Um, when I work with patients, there are certain like psychiatric conditions and certain medical conditions that if you can't eliminate them completely, that's a wonderful thing. So if someone's having hallucinations, you wanna to try to help them so that that goes away completely. But here's the interesting thing about fear and anxiety. We would not want that to go away completely. It's actually an integral part of what helps us develop as, as a human being. Um, it's intended, uh, it's, it's an innate thing that exists not simply in us, but in other animals. Like we can, we can see it in other creatures. Um, there's lots of dog memes online of like when people leave the home and the dog freaks out and thinks that their master's never coming back and eats the couch, right? So, so fear exists not just in humans. Um, and so what it's intended to do, it's intended to cause us to take action in some way, to not stay put. That's what fear is really driving us to do. Um, and when it comes, there's actually a physiological response. So... Uh, Fear comes and there's an initial like pause, it's, it's called freeze, so you kind of pause and take a breath, and then there's fight or flight, and you go one way or the other. And, and with that, your heart starts to beat faster, your blood pressure goes up, um, blood starts pumping your muscles, so um, the classic example I give is like you're walking through the woods and a grizzly bear walks out in front of you. Like all this stuff kicks in, you like pause, and then it's like within a split second, you're deciding to fight or to run away. And you, and you should run away if it's a grizzly um, and pray. Um, so um, yeah, all these things go on. Adrenaline, um, your stomach stops digesting, your immune system shuts down. The thinking part of your brain, this is an important one, the thinking part of your brain actually shuts down. Um, and this happens in, to different degrees, but I think it's really valuable to know that because if you stay in a state of anxiety and fear, you are operating without this wonderful gift that God has given us as human beings that makes our brain different from other people. It's how we interact you know, in the world. Um, there's a really good video um, of this, this comedian guy. I just found out about this like two days ago. And he runs around on the street and just runs up in people's faces with a microphone and asks them like lightning round questions. So he runs up to someone and this woman walking up the street and he's like, name a woman, name a woman right now. I'll give you a dollar, name a woman. And she's, uh, um, um, I, I, and she can't, she can't name any woman, any woman right now. It's, it, Google it, it's worth it. Um, and so that's what fear can do to us. It can, it can paralyze us. It can take us out of our element so that we don't make the best decisions. Um, so things that can trigger this, 
uh, loud, sudden things, uh, pain. So any, like a newborn baby, one of the first things they do is try to trigger the fight or flight response to get that, to get that breath. So they used to smack the kid. Um, but now, you know, it's, it's like a foot rub or, you know, something else, which is, which is good. I'm glad we've learned from that. Um, and, but, but it's to get things moving. And then, the, then the, 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 the adaptation to the environment starts right then and there. And that's, that's what we're called to do. Um, other things that trigger a fear response. So loud, sudden things, some pain, surprising things. Where we're really going to sit with this talk is our thoughts. I think, by and large, in, in industrialized United States, Columbus, Ohio, um, it's going to be our thoughts that, that really drive us to stages of fear. Um, a big one that, that we'll get into more is knowledge and information. So, so we live in the information age now, and uh, we now have to think about, or at least have the opportunity to think about, that even 10, 20, 30 years ago, no one had to think about or consider. And so we're, we're not going to minimize that. We're, we're going to get into it. But we, we need a particular response in this day and age because the Lord didn't bring us onto this earth 30 years ago or 500 years ago. The Lord brought us here and now to bring his kingdom. And so we have to wrestle with these things, and, and the victory comes in him. So, again, we want to... Look at fear appropriately, and to not have any fear at all is actually inappropriate. Like, to have none whatsoever. There's actually medical conditions for that. Anybody seen the movie Free Solo? Okay, so that guy, he climbed a mountain with no ropes, right, in, in four hours. Why? Because it turns out a part of his brain is missing the key component for fear. Um, there's, there's a condition, uh, this bacteria, toxoplasmosis, with mice, if they get infected, the primary place that this bacteria wants to live is inside of a cat. And so what does he do? The mice uh, stop fearing cats. And they go up, and they actually get kind of lovey-dovey with the cats. And the cats are like, all right, into my belly. And, so, and then the bacteria gets to go where it wants to go. So to not have a fear response can bring about disastrous results. OK, so where do our fears come from? Um, some were born with, like the fear of clowns. Um, so, so as I mentioned, like the startled baby, um, and like there's there's cool stuff where, like in the 50s, they did a lot of like psychological experiments that like broke a lot of ethical eggs, and so so there's one where it's this plexiglass thing, and half of it's covered with a tablecloth, and the mom of this baby is on the other side, and half of the table is just totally clear. Um, so it looks like a cliff. And then she's like, OK, come on over. And the baby knows, I'm not crawling over that space. Like, no way. I'm not doing it. So, so the Lord has helped us um, have fear. So it's not all learned. Um, it goes with us from birth on. But a lot of it is learned and acquired. So people in the US today, because of the explosion of information um, and through the internet and media, as I mentioned, have a lot more things to worry about. Um, world events, governmental intrusion, environmental, con environmental concerns, um, my personal impact on someone across the world uh, through what I consume and what I experience. Um, if enough people liked my Instagram post, 
Am I being a friend to all the people that I'm in contact with? Because I now have the ability, like in this room, to be in contact with so many more people than perhaps I would have been in contact with a couple decades ago. So all of these things have been introduced, and as human beings, we're really trying to figure this stuff out. But the Lord is, is with us. And, we, and, and I think a mistake that people who are older, like myself, can make is to minimize that and say it's, it's silly that these things would be worried about, but it's simply the reality. So I don't want us to minimize it because I think that's, um, I'll insert this point here, the enemy who's prowling about to destroy us takes all of our fears and twists them one way or another to, to make them get us. So it, it will either minimize something that we're anxious about so that we don't recognize it and we don't address it, or we'll certainly flare it up so that the anxiety takes us to that fight or flight place where I'm not making good decisions, I'm not thinking properly, and I'm really in panic mode. Um, so, so we don't want to minimize it. We just want to recognize it for what it is. It's, it's here, and it's not going away anytime soon. So, so these fears change over time. My fears today are different than they were when I was 22, and yours, yours will change. Um, and, and that, too, is okay. So this is why this is a lifelong experience you know, with the Lord. So some of the different flavors. There's, there's the fear of like harm or loss. And I think across the country, we're seeing that in a big way. Um, and, and I want to have this conversation without actually, I'm really not talking about a specific group. I just want to say that up front. I'm not. But, but there's a perception of like, these people have something I don't, and um, other people are afraid, okay, if, if I have something and this group wants it, I don't want them to have it. I'm afraid of loss. I'm afraid of loss, and I'm afraid also um, of harm. So there's been an increase in fear of harm, say from illness, COVID, um, a harm of isolation uh, from a response to COVID. So all of these things exist in a way that's that's a little more intensified. And so I think it's good to examine ourselves and see, okay, of fears that I have, where, where do they land of these different flavors? Um, the big one, though, I think is social fear and anxiety. Um, how do I come across to others? What if they find out what I'm really like? Will I be accepted? What if I'm unlovable? These, these are very real fears. Um, that extend not only to us on this level, but they also extend to our relationship with the Lord. Um, if we're experiencing these with other people, it's a 100% certainty that we're experiencing this with the Lord. And so, so whatever happens vertical is also happening, or horizontally is also happening vertically. So as these fears kind of set in, and if they really take hold, they can change um, our personalities. They can develop our personalities. The classic example of this is if somebody has post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, something really bad has happened to them. The brain reacts a certain way. And I would say from a spiritual perspective, the spirit reacts a certain way. And there's actually like really distinct things that tend to show up that, that you'll have if you have PTSD. And so there's different flavors of our anxiety. And so it can lead for us not connecting well with others and I think behind that, we're asking ourselves things like, what could I offer to other people? And I can never really be close you know, to this person or that person. Socially, I, I'm pulling myself back. 
Um, not trusting anyone. I can only really trust in myself. I can't actually trust in the Lord. And so a lot of our sin is us going out on our own. And um, I'm going through, I, somebody already gave a shout out to Ascension. So are people going through the Bible in a Year podcast? Anybody? Okay. So no spoilers, please. I'm, I'm not with everybody else. So um, not, not really, but my wife is actually making me do that. If I get excited and talk about something, I'm further along than she is. And she's like, no, no, I, I can't. Um, but gosh, the Israelites, where I'm at right now, so again and again and again, despite what they've seen from the Lord, they reach out for these idols and these things that um, provide comfort, provide a degree of familiarity, and so that's comfortable. Even if it hurts and even if I'm a slave, um, it's better than the unknown. And, and I think we do the same thing a lot of times. Um, a big fear that people have, especially in community, is will others let me down? That's a big one. So if I give of myself, can I expect others to do that as well? And if they don't, I don't know that this is worth doing. So I'm gonna hold myself back and I'm gonna give myself just enough that, um, that I, I, I save myself from whatever harm might happen. It can turn, um, so that's some of the timidity that can grow um, with our personalities, it can also go the other way with anger and aggressiveness. So a preemptive defensiveness. People that are really sarcastic. It wasn't until I, I came, my family was a really sarcastic family growing up, and it's just the way we communicated. And, and so when I came into like the world of SPO and saw others and heard some of these teachings, I started to see like, wow, like this is really cutting. This can be really... Um, I'm not saying cut it out completely, but, but again, we want to examine ourselves. And, and I think many times, if that's someone's default way of seeing the world and default way of operating, there's, there's a preemptive defensiveness um, related to some type of fear, often a fear of rejection in some way. And then um, the avoidance and the timidity, it's not introversion, extroversion stuff. So there are introverts and there are extroverts, um, but holding ourselves back as a way of um, safeguarding ourselves versus coming to an event and just, woo, I feel worn out, and so I need to recharge by myself. Those are two different things. And I think sometimes, I'm just going to call out my introverts out there, I think sometimes we can hide with timidity and say, I need to just be by myself, but the reality is I'm, I'm afraid of these other things that are out there. Um, so another type of fear is one that's very appropriate to have, fear of the Lord. So we are to fear and respect um, the Lord for who he is, for what he's done. He is utterly holy. He is utterly separate from us. Um, we only approach him at his will. There's no two ways about it. Um, in, in my podcast, um, place where I'm at now, I just went through number 16 yesterday. And so number 16 are these guys who go up to Moses, and they have some role with transporting the tent and the, the holy vessels, and they basically call out Moses and say, hey, you, you need to stop acting like you're better than all of us. We are all holy. We all will approach you know, the altar. And I think in recorded history, it was the first time someone said, oh, no, he didn't. And so the, the result is the Lord swallowed them in the earth. It says they fell alive down into Sheol, utterly crushed, wiped from the face of the earth. 
there are times that we think and we approach in our modern day, and I'll, I'll call myself out here. So, and again, maybe it's like family of origin stuff, but one of the things that, that I do have a soft spot for are comedies where people cut each other up big time. Like, like two people who are both jerks and idiots and they insult the heck out of each other. I enjoy that. But what I've noticed, what I've, I'm not gonna name the shows, but what I've noticed is, gosh, what goes with it so often is like um, taking the Lord's name in vain just as fast as the other stuff. And so this week, I'm going through this talk. I'm like, okay, Lord. Um, it's, it's only out of a lack of reverence for his name that, that I do that, in, in, all, in all seriousness. And so there are many things in our culture that um, familiarize the Lord, and he's allowed this by coming to us, you know, as Jesus Christ and abiding with us in the Eucharist, um, so it's easier for us to take him for granted and to forget that he is the God of the universe. But so, so fear of the Lord, of the many things we talk about, I would encourage all of us to stoke up a greater fear of the Lord. Um, Matthew 10, 28, it says, don't fear the things of the world that we lose our lives, but fear him who can destroy the body and the soul. God himself, who can send us to hell? Um, we need to have that holy fear. Okay, so we know in our faith that the physical reveals the spiritual. And just like I need to have appropriate fear of the grizzly I mentioned earlier, I should have an appropriate fear of trying to walk across the freeway at rush hour. Um, I should have an appropriate fear of the sun, something I enjoy and appreciate but can bake me and cook me, you know. Um, those physical things that we have a fear of, th those are leading us um, to look at the spiritual. That Again, we should have this fear of the Lord, but not simply the Lord. We need to have a healthy respect and fear and avoidance of not just the freeway and the sun and a grizzly, but our sin and the near occasion of sin and um, sinful activities. And, and, and those are sins of omission um, as well. So... The Lord says, you know, um, what, what you did for the least of these, you did for me. We absolutely have to take care of the poor. That's a requirement. And so if we don't have a healthy fear of that, we may not do it. And then, and then we find ourselves in a really bad situation. Okay, so the scriptures are full of passages. So now, like, practical stuff. How do we, how do we grow... Because um, this is one of those things that it can be like a little too like simple. Like, what's the answer to fear? Well, it's, it's faith, um, and and that can just wash over us and say, like, oh, okay, I, you know, I've heard things like that before. But what I'm going to ask of us is one of the ways that we can grow in faith is a real encounter with the scriptures, to like dive into them. And if that's not if that's not a particular experience of yours, start with the Psalms. Um, Read through a psalm. Uh, the Liturgy of the Hours is wonderful. And, and really read through it. And then what I'm going to ask you to do is you read the words of the psalmist talking about fear and overcoming fear and being disappointed in what God's doing is, is to see yourself in that. And it's to be honest with the Lord with what you're reading and to say, you know what, Lord, I'm not buying this. Or yes, Lord, this is me. So what he asks of us is for us to be honest with him. 
in our prayer. We don't want the, he doesn't want the fancy words. He, he, wants, he wants our attention, and as a father, he wants to hear our heart, and he wants us to come to him. And that's the beautiful thing. The Psalms can help train you to do that. When you, one of my favorite things is, like, like are the dead going to praise you? Like, with how bad things are going, someone really, like, pouring it out to God, like, okay, so, like, all of us are dead. Like, what's that, what's that going to do for you? And, and then it transitions um, in so many of the Psalms. And so that's honesty, and that's approaching the Lord, still with fear and reverence. Um, that's a wonderful way to do it. Um, it's really sweet. Um, I, I've seen this in my daughters. So uh, we have this... Um, CD set that I had when I was a kid is called GT and the Halo Express. Um, if you've got kids, for those of you in the room, I recommend it. And um, it's goofy 1980 songs um, putting uh, scripture to song. And so there are some specifically like Joshua 1 verse 9, um, have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? And so I've, I've seen my daughter Maggie, who's eight, and she's only beginning to like come into her anxiety, let's say. She doesn't even know what it is. She said, Mom, my, my stomach just feels weird. I just, don't, I just don't feel right, and I can't sleep. And so, so she doesn't understand that, but we go through and we talk about anxiety, and um, we go through and we pray that and sing that song together, and I see the calm come over here, and I see the Lord's grace come down. And now this is, in, in my two daughters, this is becoming a part of their life as they approach problems. When I was a kid, and I'm so glad my mom introduced this to me, uh, Psalm 23, like forever when I read it, I'll hear it to um, the song from this little, back then it was, a, you know, uh, a cassette tape set, now it's a CD set. Um, but I'll hear that and it, and it reminds me of who I am and it reminds me of who the Lord is. And that's, that's the way to grow in faith is by encountering the Lord in prayer with that honesty. Um, another thing is in our small group experience. So to overcome fear, our small groups are our training grounds. So when I was uh, going through grad school for counseling, we were put in these faith-sharing groups, and I was one of two Catholics um, in an evangelical brethren seminary, and I went in. So when I go back, that preemptive, like, hostile thing, I was, like, you know, making fun of things that I didn't, wasn't used to and, and didn't understand, and, um, and I was holding back from my group and, and, like, really didn't want to be judged, right? I didn't, and so... As I reflected and prayed and went through this group, and it was only through the experience of the group, I had this realization. Oh my gosh, in my fear, I'm judging all of them that they're, they're going to judge me. And I'm holding myself back from them. And I am having these hostile thoughts. And you know what I did? I told them about it. I fessed up. I said, this is my experience, and I'm really sorry. And I'm sorry I brought this to the group, and I hope you can forgive me. And another person popped up about something really vulnerable. And then another person popped up about something really vulnerable. So there are some things we can only know about ourselves through our interaction through other people. This is the beautiful thing of the communal way that the Lord has built us. Um, I can only go so far by myself. And by so far, I mean not very far. So, so what I would challenge you to do, especially if you're bored in small group, if it's just like, this person shares, and this person shares, and this person shares. Be vulnerable. Say, hey, I, I feel like we're stuck. Um, this, this is really hard to hear, you know, so-and-so, I love you. I notice you're saying the same thing every week. I can predict what you're going to say. 
like, do it in charity, do it in love, but, but break through the fear and the anxiety of, of that situation. Um, and mostly start with yourself. Don't start with somebody else in the group. And, and you will see fruit, and you will see a greater unity, and you will see fear start to fall away. So um, when we trust in the Lord, we don't need to fear. But this is a process. So, um, so I've got a quote from uh, my wife just introduced me to him. Again, people probably know Jacques Philippe. Yeah, see, I'm like always late to the game on these things. So my wife helps me out. So, so this quote, um, and I don't even know the name of the book. I just took a picture because she, she needed her book back. Um, so with the fear that we have, he says, what really hurts is not so much suffering itself, but the fear of suffering. If welcomed trustingly and peacefully, suffering makes us grow. It matures and trains us, purifies us teaches us to love unselfishly, makes us poor in heart, humble, gentle, and compassionate toward our neighbor. Fear of suffering, on the other hand, hardens us in self-protective, defensive attitudes, and often leads us to make irrational choices with disastrous consequences. And he's quoting from um, a young woman who, who went on to Auschwitz. She said, man suffers most through his fear of suffering. So, I think it's important to know that. I, I see that um, in my patients, and I see that in my daughter. So in my patients, um, there's a specific medicine I give, and it's a shot like right above the butt, kind of where the back meets the butt. And when people first come in for this shot, they're so terrified. And, and so at times, even when I, when, I, when I give it, they're like, ah, ah, ah. A lot, of, a lot of language comes out. And then we finish and say, OK, you're all done. Band-Aid's on. And say, OK, how are you doing? And they're like. 99% of them, oh, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was. So, so that's the thing. When we look at what the Lord accomplished on Calvary, um, he was building to that his whole life with dealing with the sufferings and the fears along the way and the rejections. And so we, too, um, will never lift a heavy cross um, with the Lord's help if, if we aren't trained along the way and deal with the small sufferings and the small fears. So... Um, Jacques Philippe talks about a consent to the suffering. When you think of Jesus embracing the cross, that consent to, I, I, I accept this. Um, even after he asked the Father to lift it away, um, he gave himself over wholly to it. And we see the grace that came out of that. And so we tap into that when we imitate him with, with our own crosses in life. So on to anger. So I wanted to do anger second because um, anger is like a secondary emotion. Usually there's something first. And so this is, the, this is us running around um, with the quick view of anger. Um, it shows up when we're hurt, when we're afraid, uh, when we don't get what we want. It shows up um, pretty intensely, but it's rare that it just shows up on its own. If it does, there, there might be something physiologically going on, uh, but, but there it is. It, it occurs on a spectrum. We've got annoyed. We've got irritable. We've got um, a sense of negativity, again, where I'm cynical or sarcastic. We've got actual hostility, where I might be verbally aggressive with somebody, or up to and including violence. 
Like all of these are on the range of, of anger. Um, anger is according to, and then if you don't know this book, I highly recommend it. We covered it in Cornerstone last year. Um, Andy Stanley, Enemies of the Heart, super simple book. Um, and there's a, the great section on anger that, that we're just touching on here. And, and you could spend a lot more time in. But anger is you owe me something. A situation owes me. There is no point, I'm gonna pause and let it sit because that's what he recommends. So anger is only the result of not getting what we want. Anger is the result of not getting what we want. So again, we back up to what the catechism said. Um, emotions are neutral. And so it might be very neutral in me not getting what I want. It could be an issue of justice that, that yeah, like this was a violation of justice. Or it could be something very unjust that I'm angry about. Um, but either way, I didn't get what I wanted. And so when we are in this situation of anger is a situation where you owe me something, there's a debt that must be paid, is what we experience internally. Um, for me, like the best example of this is the old-timey duels where I take off my fancy glove and I slap your face and I say, I demand satisfaction, sir, and then we go duel. So that's, that's it. That's what we want. We want satisfaction with, with our anger. And so, so we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that, but that's what anger is. Again, the quick, the quick run. Um, I think it's important to know also that the modern world really tries to dictate to us lately what we can do with anger. So um, in the modern world, don't ever discipline when you're angry, you know, as a parent or as a teacher or um, any authority figure. Don't speak to people when you're angry. Um, if you're in certain, if you're from a certain group, you should be angry. And if you're not, there's a problem. Or if you're in a different group, how dare you be angry? So, so lots of the world wants to dictate how anger should exist. Um, scripture is actually very, um, let's say, like cautious. It permits it. Be angry, but don't sin in Ephesians. Like that's, well, that's very simple and to the point. Um, but here's the thing, here's the rub. In our fallen world, it's pretty hard to do. So um, again, taking me back to like, Again, reflecting on my past, I was a 22-year-old youth minister, and I'm home uh, visiting my family, and my younger brother um, uh, is playing video games, and he was known for a, an amazing rage during video games. Like, there was once, um, I remember he like was smashing the controller, because something went wrong, and then like went upstairs, and then came back downstairs and started smashing the controller again. Um, so like, and I, know, I knew he was working on it, you know, this stuff. And so I'm talking to my now wife on the phone and I'm walking around and you know, like, hey Amanda. And uh, I go up and my book that I'd been reading was on a TV tray or something by the TV and it's on the ground and it's all bent and it's all mangled. And he is raging while he's playing video games, not six feet away. And so I, I take the phone, I'm like, Amanda, hold on just a sec. And I turned to him and I'm like, did you do this to my book? And I opened the PlayStation 1, which was the game at the time, and I took the disc out and I threw it at him as hard as I could. And he tucked, and as he tucked, 
it hit his knee and shattered into 100 pieces. And it was such a strike that it made an indention, like a rectangular, like think the edge of a CD or a DVD, um, in his skin that took about 10 seconds before his body realized what happened and started to bleed. And as soon as I did it, and he was just like, what, no! And like, it's saying no. He, he didn't even knock my book down, it was my dad. Like came through and was like doing something else and accidentally knocked my book down. So I was like this youth minister guy and my younger brother who I'd been working with, and I was so righteous in my anger, like, that I needed to correct him and, and offer this correction. But just like that, it took a turn. I've got several other examples like that in my marriage. Um, so there are many times I can start out right, and it goes very wrong very quickly. Because, because it, 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 the scripture talks about you don't want anger out of control. Do, you, know, you can be angry but don't sin, and that's what we so often do. We can get vindictive. We can be... Um, aggressive and hurtful and all of these things. And that's the direction that I've historically gone. And so um, I think guys especially love Jesus in the temple, flipping over tables, the, the zealousness of the Lord. It's like we look through all the scripture and it's like, that's where I'm most like Jesus. I love, I, love, I, love, I love that. And so we should read the rest of scripture and we, sh- we should be cautious with that because um, I'd say in our fallen world, And the reason the world has kind of tried to box in anger is because it has hurt a lot of people and it has caused a lot of damage. So we should be aware of that. So that's that's just the quick um, overview. And and now to kind of get closer to the finish line, um, what's our our Christian response to anger? Um, I took this mostly from, uh, again, this Enemies of the Heart book. Here's the thing. Someone owes us something we can never get it back, ever, ever. So quick example, I'm driving down the road, a car cuts me off, anger starts to rise up maybe. So when this happens to people, what is it that we truly want? I want that person to go back in time and not cut me off. Guess what, it's never gonna happen. Even if they apologize, that whatever happened there that caused offense to you will never be undone. Time has moved on and um, I think, again, Jacques Philippe has a section on this. He says, hard as it is, we need to learn to forgive other people for making us suffer or disappointing us, and even to accept the problems they create for us as graces and blessings. The attitude is neither spontane- this attitude is neither spontaneous nor natural, but it is the only one by which to achieve peace and interior freedom. And, and again, in this, in this fast overview, so there's that peace, of, you know, peace and freedom. I, I love that. But there's also, again, the Lord who is to be feared. If we don't forgive, we don't get into heaven. It's that simple. The Lord has asked us to look upon what he has done for us, and we are to extend that to other people. There's the terrifying scripture passage of, of the, the servant that goes to the, the king or the Lord and I can't repay this debt, and it's forgiven him. And he turns right around, and he starts to choke out his neighbor who owes him like two bucks. And that's what we so often do, is I extend my anger to the person online um, that I can't see. I extend my anger to the person that believes differently than me. I extend my anger to um, my family members. Often that comes out. Um, 
I extend my anger to any situation where I don't get what I want. So we really want to be cautious with that. And so, so what Andy Stanley recommends is that, again, um, humility, we talked about that at the beginning, and I, and I think that's the approach that we talked about with our praying through the scriptures and just being honest with the Lord. Here's another one. We just have to be honest. We have to really look at who's the person that offended me or the situation? What is the offense? What do they owe me? What's the debt? And am I ever going to get it back? And so this is the formula. Um, so we identify who we're angry with, determine what they owe me, what's the debt, and then just like the person that cut me off on the road, I have to cancel the debt. I'm not getting it back. I'm, um, I'm operating outside of reality if I think that in any way that situation is going to be reversed and ultimately fixed and to not have happened. So there's a piece that comes with that. There's a piece with that, but there's also a tapping in to um, the grace of the Lord. And I think it's when we fix our eyes on Jesus. And in a recent uh, Cornerstone gathering, there was a word about um, seeking the face of the Lord. And as I've done that during Lent, I've really been seeking the face of the crucified Lord and, and what he did for us. And if, if we keep our eyes fixed on him, the other stuff starts to, to melt and to fade away because I, I focus on what he did for me rather than what someone else did to me. And so, so that's my encouragement to you all, brothers and sisters, is... Um, and then it's a daily decision. Again, there's often uh, um, ruts in our mind that are formed. Uh, I've done mountain biking recently, and there's a trail that's like the trail. And to get out of it is actually really hard to try to ride next to it. You're going to fall back down into it, and you're going to keep going. So we have that tendency in our brains with patterns of thinking and with um, attitudes. And so if we fall back in the rut, we simply do it again. I have forgiven. We've used what the church asks us to do. We've used our will to control our emotions. And, and then we move on and we turn it over to the Lord. So in conclusion, um, for both of these, fear and anger, you have to want to be healed. That's, that's something I see at work a lot is people, where they're at, it's what they're comfortable with. It's what they know. It's the Israelites in the desert. Uh, again, the same number 16 passage. Uh, one of the guys who was like, oh, no, you didn't. He called the land of Egypt the land of milk and honey. It's madness. But to him, it's better than the unknown, and it's better than what I'm going through right now. So, so help, um, ask the Lord to help us to both want to be healed and then to seek him for that healing. And, uh, and remember that the Lord who is with us, he said, I have overcome the world. And he will help us. Thank you. Thank you.